and your software is not good, no one's going to buy the phone. So the only phones we talk about or really know about are, and not all phones have 120 hertz, the Pixel 7, which just got unveiled that has 90 hertz. But uh, in the Pixel 6a, I think, is also 60 hertz. Or they software locked it to 60 hertz or something weird like that. But, um, like, Android, because they're competing with so much, have to lean into hardware advantages. iOS doesn't have to. iPhones don't have to because they have iOS. So it's like, well, you're on the screen. You're on our platform, so the hardware is not as crucial, which um, software matters a lot. The operating system and the platform is very, very important to the end consumer, as proof by the fact that iPhones have often had far superior hardware than the Androids that they outsold. You know, iPhone 12 mini outsold every Galaxy S phone. So even though it's probably not as good battery life or not as great display quality or the camera wasn't as good or the price is kind of high, still outsold them all iPhone 20, we've removed the camera from the phone and now attaches through MagSafe Plus. Introducing the eye camera would love a separate camera. Yeah. No, seriously, though. Please. Separate camera would be great. Thoughts on YouTube 4K premium account experiment? Would it change you record in 4K or HD if it happens? No, to me, it's not that hard to... I, I think 1080p looks better when you shoot at 4K. Um... And it's not that big a bottleneck. I wouldn't save that much time if I switched to recording at 1080p. It would really not change much for my workflow. So, no. I, I'm not happy that Apple... Or, sorry, that Google wants to switch 4K to a premium feature. I'm... I'm not too worried about that resolution specifically. Because I don't believe very much content is viewed at 4K. Even if the video supports it. Um, we know from audience analytics that YouTube provides that the vast majority of content is viewed on phones and the vast majority of phones do not have 4k displays. So restricting all of the free YouTube viewers to 1440p maximum is really not going to have that much of an impact. So it's not that feature specifically that they're paywalling that I'm worried about. It's more about the precedent. The precedent scares me a lot more because it's the first time YouTube has ever paywalled quality um which is what netflix does and a lot of people hate netflix for that like 10 bucks a month and you only get 480p streaming um that's annoying but it could get worse if youtube decides to lower the resolution further and be like well actually if you want 1440p that you need premium for or maybe someday they're like 1080p requires youtube premium the fact that they've opened the door to that potential paywalling that scares me a lot because I think that could annoy the crap out of a lot of people and definitely upset a lot of creators that spend a lot of time on making high-quality content that now most of their viewers won't see because they don't have premium. Um, so yeah, it's not a good thing. I'm not happy about it, but if they keep it to just no 4K for free, I don't think it's that big a deal. Very few content is viewed at 4K. Even most TVs aren't even 4K these days. Um and YouTube compresses content a lot in the first place. So I, I don't think if they keep it to just 4K, it's not going to impact very much. It's annoying. But I, I'm just going to be more annoyed if it starts going down further. If they start, like, I'm going to be extremely ticked off if they say that 60 frames a second requires YouTube Premium. Like, I'm a premium subscriber, but just the, the concept that all my videos are going to be viewed at 30 FPS unless you have Premium... Oh, that drives me nuts. Like, I 
I, I hate that they can do that because YouTube has no serious competitor. And I've, I've really tried. I, I really thought there might be a better alternative by now. Um, I really thought that another company could kind of threaten YouTube and get some more traction, but there just hasn't. There's been so many startups that come and go, Hey, Drew, try this. Like, I've heard it for years. I've been complaining about YouTube as long as I've been on YouTube. And every time I complain, people go, YouTube needs a competitor. YouTube needs an alternative. What if we all switch to this? And every year, the name changed to a different company. For a while, it was like, oh, maybe if we all switch to, you know, Twitch is supporting uploads now. Or maybe we'll switch to Vimeo. Maybe we'll switch to DLive. Maybe we'll switch to... Um, daily vids maybe we'll switch to float plane maybe we'll switch to nebula maybe we'll switch to get like there's all these different alternatives that always come and people are like no let's switch to this let's switch to this platform and it just doesn't work and they have to keep coming back to youtube because people don't want to switch you can't get a bunch of people to move off of a platform another reason why whatsapp isn't that popular here <laughs> people are either using facebook messenger or iMessage. that's the two biggest platforms for messaging here um any thoughts on Steve Jobs' 11th anniversary? No. I mean, I remember that day. It was a sad day. It was kind of shocking to me. But, uh, yeah, it's a... It's, I, I think Apple's done very well without Steve, to be honest. Steve was necessary for the uh, innovation in the startup phase, and, and I think Tim Cook was necessary for the maintaining phase, keeping the company afloat and not letting it die out with poor decision-making and irrelevance and... Um, at least financially, Tim Cook has been a very, very good CEO for Apple. And um, I don't think Apple would be as good as it is today if Steve was still in charge, to be honest. I think he preferred products to be his way, and he didn't care so much about how they sold and demographics or how well they were selling like Steve was always just about like creating what he believed to be the best product. Whereas I think Apple now is more focused on how do we make everyone's favorite? Like how do they cater to the masses more, which you may not like, but um, I still think Tim's done a great job, but Apple hasn't really come up with anything new since Steve jobs left. Yeah. I don't agree with that. I mean, AirPods were pioneered and I mean, you could argue nothing like the iPhone, but there were smartphones before the iPhone that had multi-touch displays. It's not it's not like the iPhone was the first smartphone, and it's not like the iPad was the first tablet. Um, Steve Jobs was not known for being first to things. He was known for streamlining things and making them simple and intuitive and approachable to the masses. That's what Steve did. He didn't innovate. He didn't come up with new hardware that had never been done before. It was iteration and implementation of lots of pre-existing technologies into something that everybody in the masses could get on board with and that's still what apple does apple watch was without steve jobs airpods with without steve jobs air tags um there's so many um new tech ecg on a watch now the health ban the health benefits in the iphone 10 design and was was pretty groundbreaking for the time and how many changes they implemented and face biometrics Steve Jobs was never around for any biometrics developed at Apple, the touch ID, face ID. Um, and he was not in favor of having like varying sizes that much on, on product categories, whereas Apple got more on board with, let's do a budget model, let's make an affordable one. And Steve never really went down that route. He was always kind of like, well, if they can't afford it, then I guess they don't get it. They don't get our product. I don't think Steve would have made 
like the budget $300 iPad. Um, smartphones before the iPhone was pretty rubbish. Likewise, tablets before the iPad. I agree. I'm full. Of, I'm same thing with smartwatches and the Apple Watch. Same thing with wireless headphones before AirPods. I'm saying like Apple. Same thing with geo tracking devices before AirTags. There's all kinds of product categories that Apple mainstreamed and made them approachable and easy and intuitive. And that's the same thing that Steve did with the iPhone and the iPad. Um, so, no, I, I, I think they have come up with something new and pioneering. Um, do you agree that watchOS lacks apps? I know there's only so many apps a watch can have, but after purchasing my Series 8, I was a little disappointed in how quickly I scrolled through the entire store. I personally don't think the Apple Watch is a device that needs third-party apps to be good. It's obviously become the best-selling watch in the world without that many... I mean, it has an app store, but yeah, I'm with, I don't use hardly any third-party apps on the watch. But in the same way, like, I don't... There's not any I need. I'm trying to think of something. What... The, I mean, I kind of like a Tesla app. It'd be cool if I could summon the car or change the charge limit from the app. That would be kind of nice. But um, that's on the third parties, right? That's not on Apple. But it's not like you're going to get anything better with a Fitbit or a Pixel Watch. It's not like the third-party app store is going to be much better over there. Um, so, yeah, I... No, I don't. I don't really have that belief that uh, we need to have a bunch of third-party apps on the watch for it to be useful. Like I think it's fine the way it is. Um, the first iPhone was very crappy. Other brands did it way better right away. I think you don't remember the brands that were doing it crappy. The fact that we're still referring to the iPhone now is says a lot about how good the iPhone was. Sure, it was not perfect and it had a lot of issues but it still captured way more attention than any other phone you, it, it most people are going to remember the first iphone most people will talk about oh yeah when the first iphone came out no one's going to talk about the first galaxy s phone coming out no one's going to refer to i don't know what what other smart the blackberry such and such that was available at the same time the iphone was kind of the start of the modern smartphone era but it was not the first smartphone um What's your opinion on viewers buying YouTube Premium? Seems most creators agree with users that YouTube should monetize the platform less despite... What? Most creators agree with users that YouTube should monetize the platform less despite premium paying creators too. I'm not sure what you mean. Do you mean less ads? I mean, I, I'm i sure that... I mean, more ads are a response of ad blockers. I hope you guys know that. <laughs> it's not like uh, people that use adblock just everyone can just start using adblock and suddenly uh expect youtube to maintain the service and make the same amount of money like they do lose money when you use those so do the creators and in effect that requires more that starts to make more people use adblock but my point is if we're at it ends with each other where youtube's like i mean i know that ads are annoying that's why i pay for premiums because i don't like ads either but there's not a system or a solution that works where everybody just has ad block. That's how the site shuts down and stops working. Your creators aren't going to keep making videos if they everybody uses ad block and skips their sponsorships and that's just not good. that's not effective. Uh, that, that that's not going to work. Uh, whereas there is a solution to people either putting up with ads or paying for premium. That way YouTube can maintain the site. Creators can get reimbursed so that they can designate more time and money and energy into their videos. 
There's not a solution that works when everybody just gets on adblock. So it sucks, but I don't I don't think that means we should just pretend that the rules or the system doesn't apply to us. I mean it's the same logic as saying, you know, you can take a you could pocket you could pickpocket a candy bar from a 7-Eleven. 7-Eleven's not going to go bankrupt, sure, but if it becomes a recurring problem and enough people do it, then they're probably going to raise their prices. Um, same logic with YouTube. Is the 4K lock official now, or people, why are we talking YouTube again? Well, I'd talk about whatever people bring up in the chat, but that was brought up. Um, and yeah, I guess they're testing it, and it's probably going to be rolled out to everyone eventually. Um, if you could add one feature to each of Apple's OS platforms, what would they be? Just one? Hmm. Uh, there's so many I could think of for iOS, but uh, I would love it to. I would love to kill pop-ups. That was my big request for iOS 16, and Dynamic Island kind of addressed it. But I don't like the idea that you have to buy a whole new phone for a software feature that they could easily add to other phones. But um, I don't want the low battery message to pop up and deactivate the whole display. Um, if you watch creators that aren't monetized, no. There's very few, very little of uh, creators are unmonetized, to be fair. But uh, anyway, um, yeah, like pop-ups or like settings or, you know, the low battery, that kind of stuff I'd love to go away, just become a drop-down notification. Um, watch OS, I would love third-party watch faces. I still don't understand why they haven't, done that yet i honestly think the third party app store of watch os is more useless than a third party watch face store if like any company could come up with their own apple watch face and you could buy them or just download free ones and maybe they unlock certain features like i feel like way more people would do that than apps there's not that many apps that th third parties come up with that are useful on the watch in the first place so watch os it would be third party apps for sure iPad OS is such a big mess that the only thing I can say is dual booting. I wish I could put Mac OS on the iPad. I think that would solve like 99% of people's issues with the iPad. And Mac OS? Uh, well, this is applies to everything, but especially Mac OS. I would love a charge limiter because optimized battery charging is still super unreliable for me. Like there's certain times where I want it to go up to 100%. And it starts discharging down to 80%. And then I have to go up into settings and hit charge full now. There's other times where I want it to be stopped at 80%. But it goes all the way up to 100 And even though I've had the laptop for almost a year. No, this will be a year this month. It's almost a year old. Um, there's still times where it doesn't understand my charging habits. And Apple insists that optimized battery charging will learn your charging habits. But sometimes our charging habits are unpredictable. Because we have jobs that are not, uh, you know have the same hours every day and sometimes we go up longer than we intend to it would all be solved if apple just had a built-in charge limiter and i've tried al dente and it was buggy and it would crash on me and the battery percentage wouldn't match what i told it to so it doesn't work when the mac updates either which caused problems so i don't i don't trust optimized battery charging doesn't work that reliably for me i would much rather just have the phone uh, or have the phone watch any device, really. This applies to any Apple product with a battery. But, um, yeah, if they just built in a little... Tesla has a charge limiter on their app, and it's so simple. 
It's so basic. There's just a little tab with your battery percentage and just a little dot. There's just a tiny little dot and you just drag it to the charge limit. And if I knew that my laptop was going to be plugged in, not going anywhere for a month or weeks at a time, then I would set the charge limit to like 50% and just let it, let it stay there. But if I was in an emergency or I knew I was going to need it out in the field for a while, I would just send it all the way up to 100% really quick. It's not like Apple probably thinks that's too much control and that would be too weird to let someone control the percentage. But I think there's a really simple and intuitive way to do it. Um, just copy the way the Tesla does it. It's, it's really not that, I don't think it's that nerdy or geeky of a thing. Um, you can bake it into system preferences so that if they don't open settings, they never see that option in the first place. So is there anything else? TVOS. What would I change with TVOS? Um, I guess just fix that bug so where I say play this, it plays from where I continued watching instead of starting the whole show over again. That's about it. All right, Demetha Fernando, thank you for the super chat. With the Apple Silicon Mac Pro around the corner, should I buy wheels for my Intel Mac Pro? Probably. I think that's a great financial idea. No, please don't. Um, my iPhone is always at 100% because of CarPlay during work. Optimized battery charging has never realized I don't need 100 in that case. Yeah, same thing here. Now that I'm charging my phone in my car, just goes to 100% every time. Optimized battery charging still sucks. It doesn't understand my habits. So... Yeah, it's unoptimized battery charging. If you just baked in a charge limit to where I could leave it at 80% all the time or lower um, because my battery life is so good on this phone anyway, and then on rare circumstances where I need the extra battery life, I'll charge it up to 100%. That's that's all I want. It's I don't think it would take much. It would be a very simple line of code. It would, it would be a very simple UI. Um, and I would honestly use that setting a lot more than like adjust text size and Apple lets you do that. Um, tech Techie Animator, thank you for the super chat. Do you feel like Apple's design design philosophy has changed in any way since Johnny Ive left the company? Yeah, absolutely. He's um, always been about trying to make tech more minimal and less obtrusive and less stand out. Um, and, and to just, I would say Johnny was innovative, but not necessarily always in a good way. You know, he really was pushing for the butterfly keyboard and for Apple to go all in on USB-C and no other ports and, you know, making things thinner, lighter. And there's advantages to that, but I feel like since Johnny has left, they've definitely leaned more into the functional route, bringing back legacy ports, bringing back physical keys, getting rid of the touch bar. Um, and there's a lot of advantages to doing that too. So I think Apple chose the crowd pleaser route. They realized that this would please the most amount of people even if it's not necessarily what Apple's OG identity was. Um, but yeah, I definitely don't think things like the Mac Studio would have existed or the new MacBook Pros would have existed if Johnny Ive was still there. These are kind of thick. They're kind of chunk. They're kind of bull Or the Siri remote. The new Siri remote is all functional, not very pretty, but I think it's a better remote. So yeah, like I respect Johnny and I'm I'm glad for the work he did at the company, but at the same time, I can't deny a lot of the changes they've made since he left are pretty good. Um, let's see. You think that Apple would just update the Bluetooth standard, the Bluetooth standard, the regular watches? Read your messages before you send them so I know how to answer them. I don't know what you mean by that. Update the Bluetooth standard. Uh, I think they did. I think the new watches are 5.3. 
I just bought my first iPhone and I was disappointed to see that many Apple first party apps suck, especially phone app needs some love desperately. Dialer app on the Android is far superior. Tell me how, because I think a lot of that is just you're not used to it yet and you just always have had the Android dialer. But like what specifically do you not like about the phone app? For one, I like hardly ever use the phone app, but is there is there a better way to design a dialer? I haven't seen one. You type in the number and you press call. What? How often do you do that, by the way? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not, it's not that I don't believe you. I just want to know, like, what is it? Because I don't have any issues with the phone app. If Johnny Ive is still around, the iPhone would be portless by now. Yeah, I mean, there were talks that he wanted the iPhone to be portless back in 2017 with the iPhone 10, but they thankfully decided that was not a good. There is no search feature if I enter number. What? So you enter a phone number and then search for what? A contact? You can just, why don't you just search your contact? Just go into contacts and hit search. Again, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just trying to understand like what, what is the use case of that? You mean like autofill? Like you start typing a number and then numbers in your contacts start showing up? To display where a paste to a number into. Oh, so you want to copy a number and then paste the number in the dialer? Usually if there's a phone number anywhere in iOS, you can just hold that. It's underlined and you just hold it and call. I know you can do that on photos. If you take a picture, there is a contacts button at the bottom. Well, yeah, if you're in iOS, if, if you're viewing something in Notes, if you're viewing something on Safari, why would you paste the number into the dialer? I don't know what T9 dialing is, but if you could explain what the... Or ask Siri to call for you, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, I've never, I've never had the need to, like, paste a number into the dialer. Saying he's referring to T9 dialing doesn't explain it to me. Like, what is that? I don't know what that is. And copy and face phone number. Why would you if you can just hold down on the number in the app you're viewing it in and just call it straight from there? You don't need to open the phone app. I mean, I'm not going to show a phone number, but like if if you have if you're viewing a link, like if you're in Maps, let me show a phone number or something that. Like if I pull up, uh, I don't know, McDonald's or something. There's a phone number right there. You can just tap the phone number, and it'll call. Why would you pick, but I can't understand why you would paste the number. Why can't you just, why wouldn't you just tap it? Old school, press the number on an old phone multiple times to get a letter. What? You're on a smartphone. Why do you need to press it multiple times? <laughs> there was a reason, but can't remember now. Is the way you used to type an old phone? Yeah, what? Ever since we abandoned physical phone keys, we don't need that anymore. It's where you use the dialer to search for a contact. For some people, it's quicker than using the normal search functionality. I although I don't really get how. That's what I. That's what I don't understand. It, you're searching for a contact by typing in a number. How is that better than just typing in the name or? Just say, call this contact, you know. In some apps, it doesn't work. Like, what app? 
WhatsApp. <laughs> Thank you for the super chat, Jacob. He says, what's the difference between using the Siri remote and the Apple TV remote in Control Center on the iPhone? There's no physical clicking going on when you use the one in Control Center, so you have to look a bit more to the display, whereas I feel that the Siri button, I don't have to look. The Siri remote for the Apple TV, I don't have to look at. I can just feel it. It has a physical D-pad, whereas the touchscreen, it works, but it just... You have to kind of look where you're tapping, make sure it's open and stuff. Um, basically, spell mom with the number on Android's dialers, and it'll pull up the contacts. The contact, it's extremely stupid. <laughs> Ayush says, for example, if I enter 7566, it should show all numbers starting from that series. Okay, what? When, when you just call from the contact? at that point if you're if you're typing in four characters you could type in the characters of that person go to phone keypad 29 has the alphabet multiple letters per number yeah but i why would i do that on the phone app linus from linus tech tips constantly complains about no t9 dialing on iphones which i don't get when you can just use the normal search function i'm sure it's Something you're used to, and there's probably a legitimate reason they don't have it anymore, but I I would probably complain about things similarly. Like, when I go to Android, I complain that the is missing something I'm used to on iOS, and then people say, oh, well, if you're on Android, you don't need to do it that way. You can just do it this other way. Um, so, I don't know. I would just not search for a phone number by typing in four numbers. Honestly, I don't even think about phone numbers anymore. Like, I don't, I don't know half of the... Like 90% of the people in my contacts, I don't know what their phone number is. So I would never search for their number via their phone number. I would just search their name. Honestly, I usually call people through iMessage. Um, I, I, I'm texting people a lot more than I'm calling them. I would open the messages app, find the person, tap on their name, and hit call. That To me, that would be much faster than going to phone. Um, otherwise, I'm loving it as a whole. Well, I'm glad you're... I'm, I'm glad you're loving iOS otherwise, but I'm sorry that part is annoying you. But this is why I like live streams. You know, I, I try to understand people's perspective. Um, do you think that Android is doing a lot better than iOS and software? No, quite the opposite. Uh, Android is fine. I just don't think it's better. Because ultimately you can accomplish the same tasks. Pretty much any task you can think of can be done by either iOS or Android. It's just which one can do it in a more simple, intuitive manner. And I think iOS is usually just more fluid, like the animations are more responsive and it's not as jumpy and the UIs are more consistent. Whereas I feel like on Android, it usually is relying more on third-party applications. There's usually more snapping going on where UI elements appear or animations aren't consistent with other animations. So, no, I don't... From what I've seen on Android, and the Android experience is so scattered because you get one Android experience on Pixel, you get one Android experience on Samsung, and they all tweak it their own special ways. Samsung has one UI, Pixel has stock Android or whatever you want to call it. Or yeah, searching the name on Spotlight Search and then press call. Yeah, you, you don't even have to open the app. You don't even have to open your phone. You could be on your lock screen and just swipe down, search the name. Like, I'll search wife. And boom. There's a... <laughs> making sure I'm not giving away anything. There's a phone call button right there. So I don't even have to unlock the phone and I hit call. 
You can paste numbers into iOS phone app by tapping and holding and using the three-finger outward pinch gesture. I didn't know that, but... Uh, only advantage of Android is being able to sideload apps, which I, there's never been a single app in my entire life that I've wanted to sideload. Is that super popular for gaming? That's the only situation I could think of. Like, what apps... What's the most popular sideloaded app? Genuine question. Maybe you guys know, because I have no idea. What, what app does a lot of people want on their phone but the iOS app store won't let them have it. Siri never fails to disappoint me. Why Apple is lacking in this particular thing? Well, we kind of talked about that. The, the whole first half of the stream is just that they have no financial motivation to. It doesn't really help them improve software revenue. It doesn't really convince a lot of people to buy a phone, clearly, because Pixel has the best virtual assistant and it doesn't do very well. Um... Would you do a Talos of Movie Review live where you talk about movies, shows, pop culture, and theories with fans? I think, yeah, we've done that in the past. It's just I only have so much time in the day. <laughs> and most of the time I'm working on tech stuff, so that's where I'm spending the majority of my live content. But um, we could. I, I feel like it's it's a lot more niche than you think, Jocelyn. It's like it'd be fun for like one, two people. What am I hearing? Is a package here? Oh. Let me see. Oh. Someone delivered a package. But they weren't driving like... It still throws me off. Who is it? DHL? Uh, there's there's more and more companies using these shipping uh, carriers that they don't have like a, a branded truck. Like it's not a UPS. It's not a FedEx. Like just some guy in his car just like showed up and dropped off a package, which I always just feel a little bit weird. No, I'm not getting Twitter blue. I'm not paying five bucks a month just so I can edit tweets. On principle, I want the edit tweet button, but I'm not paying five bucks a month to edit tweets. That's ridiculous. Um, side loading is for when Fortnite pisses Google off so they can download it. Uh, I think it is gambling apps that Google doesn't allow in their Play Store. Really? Many apps that aren't allowed by App Store or Play Store like gambling. No, don't don't just say etc. apps. Specifically, is it gaming and gambling? Is that what this whole we're we're all asking Apple to allow side loading so that we can gamble more? Really? If Robinhood wasn't a big enough gambling app and Fortnite, <laughs> it's gaming. That's I guess why I don't care that much about it. I just don't play that many games on my phone. So there's not been a single app in my entire life that I was like, man, I wish that was on iOS. If only it allowed sideloading. I hope the phone app becomes worse so that I don't have to call anyone anymore. <laughs> I know. I kind of hate talking on the phone. I'm not a fan of it. I like FaceTime, but that's not really the same thing. I use an app on my MacBook that has contact info. I copy the phone number and paste it into my iPhone dialer. Oh, so I guess you can paste numbers. in. Would you buy a HomePod V2? Not really, no. I, I mean, the most compelling reason for me to get HomePods would be if they let you stream directly from Spotify just because I'm not on Apple Music anymore which makes HomePods incredibly useless for me other than speaker for my Apple TV but the one HomePod we have already is plenty loud um it's Amazon Prime it's not me we don't have Amazon Prime and we didn't order that I know of I don't think we ordered anything from Amazon maybe we did and I didn't know about it do you think Apple Watch Ultra will be updated yet? 
Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then, Judy discovered chumpacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now, Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Ooh, that's a good question. Hmm. Yeah, because they tend to do little... Uh, chip rebrands anyway, right? Like the even though there's not that many differences, they went from S7 to S8 chip. They even gave the, they even gave the Apple Watch SE2 an S8 chip. So I guess they didn't give the first Apple Watch SE the S6 chip. They just gave it the S5, and then they didn't update it for a year. But the Ultra is higher end. That's a more expensive watch. So I feel like that should be upgraded, even if it's a minor change. Like I don't think they'll redesign it next year. It'll probably look the same. It might get one new health sensor, you know, something similar to the effect of like car crash detection. Like maybe the body temperature sensing of the Apple watches gets better to the point next year where they're like, now it has heat stroke detection or it can more accurately measure your body temperature. So you can more effectively, you know, check if you're, you know, at an unhealthy level. It'll let you know if you have a fever or something. Um, the SE is just a lower-end watch, so it makes sense. Like, when the Series 6 came out, the SE was cheaper. So the fact that it didn't have... Or no. When the Series 7 came out, the SE was cheaper, so it made sense that they didn't refresh it because, okay, you buy the cheaper watch, you get the older chip. It's going to be weird if they don't upgrade the Ultra regularly because then... Apple Watch Series 9 has to come out. No, that's not called the Series 8 Ultra. It, like, even in, even on Apple's website and in Apple ID and iCloud and everything, it's referred to as Apple Watch Ultra. It's not referred to as Series 8 Ultra or Apple Watch Ultra, Series something. It's like its own separate category. They don't put Series on it. Um, yeah, I was just looking at the website. Uh, no, I did not order the 14 plus for review because I can just turn off 120 Hertz on this phone and boom, I have a 14 plus and it's, uh, it, I, it would be the most boring review of my life. It would be like, okay, it's expensive. Not very good. Don't buy it. <laughs> but if, if you're trying to be more affordable than the 14 pros, you should buy a 13 pro. If you're trying to save money, 
don't buy a $1,000 iPhone and say, great, I saved $70. <laughs> so much cheaper than the Pro. It's really not that much cheaper than the Pros, and it's a lot worse than the Pros. Um, but if you didn't upgrade the Ultra annually, then the Apple Watch Series 9 would come out with the S9 chip, and then the Ultra would still be on the S8 chip. So, I don't know. I think they'll give it a spec upgrade. I think it'd be weird for the Ultra to have a slower chip or a worse chip than what the Series 9 has, which is cheaper. Why Mark Gurman think the October event is not worth to be held? Meanwhile, Apple could announce the Series 8, SE3, iPad Air 5 for a dozen minutes in an event. I know. It makes no sense to me, but Gurman's been very accurate as of lately, so that's why I tend to just believe him, because he's he's not been wrong much. Um... Let's see. Buy a 14 plus and try to remove the back. Yeah, that would be fun. How much percentage of a monthly salary does the iPhone cost in the USA and India? It cost me 80% of my monthly salary. We'll keep this for many years ahead. Wow. I guess it depends on what your salary is. And the, the average income fluctuates a lot depending on where you are in the country. Someone who lives in Mississippi can live very comfortably with um, the same amount of money that a poor person would have in the Bay Area. So... Some people probably make around 1200 1300 a month, depending on where you are in the country. And then the iPhone costs $1,000 maybe. So um, I don't know which iPhone you're referring to, Ayush. If you're referring to the the Pro, the regulars, or the SE, just depends. There's so many variables to that. There's not an easy answer. Anywhere from 2% if you're living in a high-income area, to 80% if you're living in a low-income area. People sideload app updates early, discontinued apps, entire app stores, and pirated apps. You can distribute anything in an APK, so why not have the option to install it manually without the app store? Because that's how malware can get on the device. If you can forward APKs on website ads, then, um, I mean, why, why should Apple allow it? if it means they'll make less money off the app store. That's that's who you got to convince, not me. But I'm just saying I wouldn't sideload anything, but the the likelihood of more apps pulling their games and services off of the iOS app store so they can make more money, thereby forcing us to sideload apps and use less reliable stores or them integrate more uh, data tracking features that we can't see or you know behaves in ways that Apple doesn't know about. I think there's there's negative side effects to it for sure. Um, what pirated apps? I don't. What apps are you? Pir so your your argument is Apple should let us steal software, because <laughs> it would be nice if I didn't have to pay for those apps. It would be so much nicer if everything was free. Why doesn't Apple just give me the iPhone for free? Come on, greedy Apple. They should. <laughs> they should just give everyone a 14 Pro because it would be nice. Um, the per capita income in the U.S. is around fifty-five grand a year, or forty-six hundred dollars per month. So one thousand dollar fourteen pro accounts for around twenty-five percent of an average American's monthly income. Yeah, it fluctuates a lot, and again, most people are probably trading in their iPhone. So I don't think most Americans are paying one thousand dollars for the fourteen pro. They're probably paying six hundred, seven hundred dollars, or maybe less, depending on which iPhone they're trading in. Um. Bulbs Galore, thanks for the super chat. Would you buy the M2 iPad Pro when available if it ran Mac OS? Honestly, I probably wouldn't just because I know it would still be slower than my MacBook Pro. So 
I think that would be a great direction for the iPad Pro to go in. I think way more people would buy the iPad Pro if it ran Mac OS, and they knew that everything their Mac can do, the iPad can now do as well. And you have a full tablet with an Apple Pencil and Face ID and 120 hertz, and you can use it as a great drawing or note-taking app and then convert it into a you know lap laptop experience where, boom, now it can do Final Cut, Xcode, Logic, OBS, all these great things that a Mac can run terminal commands, run Xcode, um, there's so many great things that that device could do. I bet a ton of people would be willing to drop two or $3,000 on a two-in-one like that. I don't really need one, but I think it would be a great buy. But for me and my workflow, like I do live streaming like this and I do video editing and the M1 Max is just going to be faster than the M2. So it would not, it would not um, enable me to do much more than what I already can do with my MacBook Pro. So... They, they kind of missed that mark. If they would have dropped an iPad Pro with Mac OS before this MacBook Pro came out, I probably would have. I probably would have even lived with the M1 chip just so I could say I have a two-in-one. I needed a laptop back uh, before I got this MacBook Pro. I was just like, I need a laptop because we were taking more trips and traveling more. So I was like, I, I need something that I can work off of on the go. And M1 chip probably would have been fast enough, but... Yeah, I I think uh, it's not for me, but it, it would be for a lot more people than what the M2 iPad Pro is currently going to be good for, which is just, I guess, people that want to take notes on a nice iPad and are willing to spend $1,500, $2,000. Yeah, we are still expecting an M2 iPad Pro this month, though, yeah. There's still, I, I, Mark Gurman is saying it won't be at an event, but it will probably, we'll just wake up in the morning and they'll drop it. Maybe tomorrow, who knows? Um... Can we use average consumers don't care argument for the reason why iPad Pro still sucks in some app, uh, some subjective way? Well, I just feel like average consumers don't buy the iPad Pro. The best-selling iPad is the budget one. The iPad Pro is not for the average consumers. <laughs> I mean, there's probably some average consumers with a lot of money to spend that buy the iPad Pro, but I, I feel like that's not who's specking out one terabyte, two terabyte iPads is average consumers. Um, shouldn't the iPad remain as a tablet experience? If so, why give it a keyboard and a trackpad? Why give it Thunderbolt? Why give it uh, two terabytes of storage? Why give it an M1 chip? Why are you putting laptop chips in a tablet if it's supposed to remain as a tablet experience? If the iPad is supposed to remain as a tablet experience, then it never should have gotten a smart connector, and there should basically be an iPad mini and a budget iPad, and that's that's your tablet experience. As soon as they attached a keyboard and a trackpad to the iPad, that's where my mind changed. Before I used that argument, the iPad's not supposed to be a Mac. It's supposed to be a tablet. It's a touch operating system. Once they rolled out a way for you to only use the iPad with a keyboard and mouse, I was like, what's the difference? You threw out that logic as soon as you gave it a keyboard and, and mouse. It's a touch. It's a screen that you're looking at, and you can control it with a trackpad and a keyboard. The touch screen is now completely optional. So then why should iPadOS be mandatory? If the touchscreen is optional, that doesn't make sense to me. Other than pro apps, what would you want the iPad to do? Everything my Mac can. That's the point. If it's if it's the same chip as my Mac, I want optimized battery charging. I want the terminal commands. I want the Safari extensions. I want the the OBS. I want multiple microphone input sources. I want uh, external video capture devices. How come I can do continuity camera on my Mac but not my iPad? Why is that restricted to the Mac? You could totally do it on the iPad. There's no reason the iPad can't do that, but they just chose not to give it that. 
There's so many that like I want a calculator. <laughs> I can't believe the iPad's been around for 12 years. There's still no calculator app. Um, at least Google with the new Pixel tablet, they acknowledge that it's only good as a smart home accessory. <laughs> That's kind of what tablets have been pushed into the corner to be good at, huh? I'll be proud if Apple can finally fix many iPadOS problems in the next 20 years. 20 years? Come on. Just my logic is if you're spending that kind of money on a large screen Apple device and it has the exact same chip as a MacBook, there should not be... Since I have the same argument with iPhones. I'm consistent about this for the record. My phone has the exact same chip as the 14 Plus. 815, 6 gigs of RAM, 5 core GPU. This should have action mode and the iPhone 14 Plus should have ProRes recording. There's no reason those phones should be missing those features. Other than, I guess, Apple just decided not to add those because, I don't know, buy the new one. But also, if you care more about ProRes recording, you're actually encouraged to buy an old 13 Pro and not the 14 Plus. Or I guess in Apple's world, you're encouraged to buy a 14 Pro if you really want ProRes. But real talk, iPads don't have a calculator app. Macs do. So you could slowly and painstakingly assume that Apple is just going to add every macOS feature to iPadOS in its own unique tablet way. But the fact that it's taken 12 years for a calculator app and that's still not here means that I don't think they're going to be very quick on calculator, terminal, Safari extensions or external uh, video camera support, external microphone support. The iPad has like a barely working half-baked version of external mic support and they don't give you any settings. It just doesn't work. Um, you have to rely on all these clunky apps that are not well optimized for the iPad because most of them are optimized for the iPhone primarily and then they just kind of blow them up and tinker them a bit on the iPad. Um, yeah, it's... I use keyboard and mouse on my iPad to run Windows Remote Desktop, but you don't need an M1 for that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm okay with them saying, like, in order for dual-boot macOS to work, you need an M1 chip, or you need the Pro iPad. Or, or they could even say, because macOS and iPadOS take up a lot of storage on the SSD, I'm not saying it has to be cheap. You know, if I, I support Apple because I understand they're a business and they care about margins, like I don't get really ticked off or I'm, I'm not in favor of it, but I don't get ticked off when Tim Cook says, buy your mom an iPhone because I'm like, well, that's kind of rude, but it's true. Like, why should Apple try to make the Android experience better? Like they're just trying to make the iPhone experience better. All they care about is, you know, they're, they're not going to improve Siri because Siri getting better doesn't improve their services revenue. It doesn't necessarily make um, hardware sales improve that much because I don't think people will switch to iOS just for a smarter Siri, even if she did get smarter because usage rates of virtual assistants are fairly low. So it's like when Apple doesn't have the right financial motivation, they won't do it. So I don't think it would cannibalize Mac sales personally, but okay, let's say you're scared that if we bring Mac OS to iPad in any form, even just, let's say, only M1 chip iPads can dual boot Mac OS. Okay, even if that's true, uh, I, I still think that iPads cost more than Macs. They don't have as good a battery life. They don't have the headphone jack. They don't come with a keyboard and mouse, like a keyboard and trackpad like the MacBooks do. And a lot of people just don't want a touch screen, you know, two-in-one. Some people just want a straight-up MacBook for the ports and the battery life. So the people who want a two-in-one can buy that. 
and the people who don't want a two-in-one can buy that. I think they would coexist, but okay. Assuming I'm wrong and they can't coexist and Apple's worried that you'll stop buying iPads and Macs, then just put it on, like, the most expensive iPad, right? Like, say, in order for macOS to work to our standard of excellence that we expect it to on the iPad, it needs 16 gigs of RAM and it needs a terabyte of storage because dual booting requires a lot more I don't know, memory swap or a lot a lot more storage. Um, so they could say you need a one terabyte iPad Pro or higher or a two terabyte iPad Pro in order for it to work. I would be like, okay, that's good. At least we can justify those now. Like, at least there's a reason for people to buy those. Apple would sell way more one terabyte iPads if that happened. And because they don't have the same battery life or the ports as the MacBooks, they wouldn't be cannibalizing anything. Um... Would you like it if Apple combined phone messages and FaceTime into one app like WhatsApp? It might get a little cluttered, but yeah, I'd be willing to try it. I, I think I saw someone do a concept. I remember watching a concept of iOS like 12 years ago and someone came up with a way to combine FaceTime, iMessage, and phone. And it looked pretty clean. There's probably a good way to do it, yeah. So I guess I'd be in favor of it. Um... I'm starting to like Stage Manager, but with one app in full screen, I can easily grab an app to check something, then flick it away, but still have it loaded. I'm glad you like it. I've tried it. I just couldn't get that comfortable with it, but the idea that it should be restricted to M1 iPads was baloney. Should Apple implement higher refresh rate for 15 and 15 plus? At least it's higher than 60, despite the average consumers wouldn't care of it. Well, it's rumored to have the island. Well, you just answered your own question, AJ. What, should Apple implement something that most people won't care about? Probably not. Especially if the job of those phones is to be the decoy models. I'm not joking about that. I hope you guys, It feels like you guys don't take me seriously when I say that. The point of those phones is to make the pros look better. That's the whole reason they exist. It's not because Apple wants them to sell really well. Introducing Siri Plus. Only for $9.99. Siri is better at everything, but wait, there's more. We are now offering Siri Pro. Only $14.99. Yeah, there you go. That's how Apple would make Siri better, is if they turned it into a subscription. Oh my god. Maybe if they figure out artificial general intelligence, they can get that working. They would cost money, but Siri is like a person now. You can just casually have talks with her about politics or the world or finances. or just a, It's like a human being. That's a robot. <laughs> the lack of a calculator battery settings like optimized battery charging and battery health just goes to show Apple doesn't care about the iPad. If Apple doesn't care, why should we? Yeah, that pretty much... Marnjell pretty much just summed up my entire viewpoint of iPads. It's like, well, they're not trying, so I'm not going to try. I, uh, I, I walked my wife out to work because she was leaving this morning, and uh, I was going to just eat cereal, but I wanted to catch up. There were some... The, channels I watched and I they posted some cool videos and I wanted to watch them while I was eating some cereal at the kitchen table so I came in here to grab my iPad because I was like yeah you know the MacBook's kind of plugged in I have MagSafe Duo plugged into my MacBook Pro and my MacBook Pro is plugged in with optimized battery charging so I was like I don't really feel like using the MacBook in this case because it's kind of big heavy so I just grabbed the iPad I was like I'll just watch YouTube on this and uh, I opened it up it's dead I forgot to even charge the thing. And once I saw that it was dead, and it's probably, you know, you, iPads don't instantly b boot up as soon as you plug them in. You got to plug them in, and the battery icon shows up, and you got to wait like five minutes. So I was like, okay, I'm going to eat breakfast in there, but I want to watch these videos. 
and I don't feel like just watching them on my phone. So I was just like, you know what? I just unplugged the MacBook. It's only two cables, big deal. So I unplugged MagSafe Duo, unplugged the power, and grabbed my MacBook and used it in the kitchen. And it works great. Speakers are fantastic. Display looks great. Bigger than the iPad. And it's fine. It's Maybe we're coming up on the one-year review. I should probably do a one-year-later video. Um, oh, Haseel asks, how do I become a channel member? It's the first. It should be the first link in the description. Um, you have to do it on Safari, unfortunately. Apple makes it hard for them to do it through the app. Um, if you're on Android, it will be next to the subscribe button, but I, most people watching um, are on iOS. Why do all these virtual assistants are so limiting even though we have GPT-3 level AI they can have conversations mimicking humans? That's a good question. We can mimic human conversation pretty well with AI, but the virtual assistants haven't seemed to make that jump where they can understand context and pausing. Maybe Google Assistant's getting there, but it still doesn't feel like it considering we use it pretty regularly and it still misses the point a lot. Siri Plus is just a decoy for the Siri Ultra, a live human assistant. What would be funny is if they had a live human assistant, but they told you it was a virtual assistant. Wouldn't that be kind of fishy? Honestly, with customer service people, I've had more robotic conversations with people on the phone. You know what I hate when you're on hold with a company? Is when you tell them what you want. In a few words, describe the issue you're having. And you say the few words, and then they play the typing sound. That is so, like, I hate that. Like, don't, you know you're a robot. Don't pretend that you're typing. Like, why, why are they trying to emulate that aspect of the human experience when they're so clearly automated? Makes no sense. Do you think the next SE will be based on the 12 mini design? No, I think OLED displays are too expensive for the SE to have OLED. Um, Ross Young talked about the next SE a few months ago. Uh, basically, I think it'll be very similar to the iPhone XR. It'll be a liquid retina LCD, but um, he talked about them potentially making like a 5.7-inch display, which is a bit weird because usually the SE is reusing a, an old design. But, um, yeah, he was he was describing basically like an iPhone X if the iPhone X had LCD instead of OLED. And it was made of aluminum, and it just had one camera. And I was like, huh. Maybe if the SE sells at high enough volume, they would be willing to kind of come up with a new chassis design or a new uh, form factor just for the, the small addition. But, yeah, I would expect something that looks very close to the iPhone 11 or XR. Uh, what do you use Apple Watch most for, apart from looking at the time? Uh, definitely notification management. I usually love just... Uh, instead of just checking my phone all the time. I love just getting a text and seeing it right here. Is the text important? No, I can go back to doing what I was doing. If it is important, I can reply straight off the phone. Uh, sorry, straight off the watch. Uh, I ping my iPhone a lot because oftentimes if I'm moving stuff around the house, I forget where my phone is. I'll ping it. Um, usually at night, I end up using the Apple Watch flashlight pretty regularly. Um, I track my workouts with the Apple Watch. Uh... Yeah, it's just kind of good to be have something quick and easy to communicate and keep in touch with people if you're getting a lot of texts. I check email, too, um, just because I get a lot of emails. And 
I try to hit unsubscribe from as many of these companies that I don't know how I get these newsletters, but I think a bunch of companies somehow just find my email because I have a tech channel and they just start bombarding me with these sponsorship things. But some emails I read are kind of important and I need to know about. Um, so having a, a quick and easy way to read emails and filter out, no, that's junk or no, save that for later. I use the watch for that quite a bit. Um, I guess we will need to redesign with USB-C, whatever they do. What? What are you talking about that? Why do we need to redesign USB-C? The overhead of USB-C is so insanely high. Like, I don't think people realize, like, it kind of offends me when people treat USB-C like just another lightning. People were like, well, first it was 30 pin and then lightning came along and now it's type C, but something else is around the corner. It's like, no, 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 shut up. Just for a second there. You don't just bunch USB-C, which is replacing Thunderbolt, HDMI, high bandwidth, that high power. It's, it's a port in a shape design that's being used on macbook pros it's it, it can handle over 100 watts of power with certain devices it, it charges I, I think someone rated it some chinese phone got a USB-C port to go over 200 watts it can transfer tens of gigabits per second uh an insane amount of data throughput. We are not talking like just another, oh, this is micro USB. Oh, this is 30 pin. This is like, like no, those are all super low speed, super basic level, uh, just ports that were not made for desktops, ports that were not made for high wattage, high data transfer speed. USB-C was intentionally from the ground up designed to be this port that could replace everything. It had the throughput, it had the power and it could fit on a phone. That was the greatest perk of USB-C was it, it was a very capable port that was also very small and reversible and bilateral, which Lightning is not, mind you. Lightning is always one way. So USB-C takes that to the next level where no matter which end of the cable you plug into the device, it doesn't matter. Yeah, like Jacob said, Type-C is the snake oil of ports. Like, don't, don't bunch in USB-C with like, oh, we might come up with another one later that's way better. It's like, for phones though? Okay, maybe you have an argument if we're talking about like the Mac Pro or we're talking about the Mac Studio or displays that are doing, I don't know, 8K at 120 FPS. Maybe we're like, okay, we might need a DisplayPort 2.1 or HDMI 2.3. We might need some kind of beefier port to handle higher workflows for desktops and stuff. But on phones? No, like... No phone today is currently anywhere near the overhead that USB-C has built into it. Like, and I'm not convinced it ever will be, to be honest. I know that some people have this view of technology of like, it's constantly linear. It's always improved. Well, you know, people used to say eight kilobytes was a lot and it's not a lot anymore. Yeah, but when it comes to power and like battery energy density, you can only fit such a big battery in a phone. It's not, I, I don't think we're just going to suddenly have this miraculous lithium pouch cell breakthrough where suddenly we can fit 200 watt hour battery packs into our smartphone. I don't think that's going to happen. Maybe I'm wrong, but I just don't think that's how energy density is going to work in the long run. And uh, it's probably just a bad idea to pack that much energy into such a small space on something this small that people drop and break and whatever. That much energy packed into, yeah, I, I just don't think that's going to happen. So the concept that... USB-C is going to limit our charge speed in the future. 
Meanwhile, people are saying, no, we should just go portless. MagSafe is fast enough, right? Yeah, but like, for one, Apple isn't even trying with speed on ports. They've had the same USB 2.0 speed on Lightning since day one. They came up with a faster version of Lightning. That's what always makes me laugh. I had to do a whole video on that because people were like, but what if something better comes along and Apple can't switch to it? Something better did come along and Apple didn't switch to it. They made Lightning 3.0 and they chose to not put it on the iPhone. So I don't know what you're talking about. Like, what if they find something better? They did find something better and they still didn't do it. So like, I'm not convinced Apple's going to just actively choose to go with a better port or go with a, a better design. Um, I think that USB-C could easily be like a, a port design with enough overhead for smartphones to last decades. Because um, we're not at the point where we need phones to do 80 gigabits a second. That's ridiculous and unnecessary. But USB-C can handle that. What I mean is there could be iPhone 25, you know, the, the iPhones that are coming out or the Galaxy phones that are coming out 10, 15, 20 years from now could handle 80 gigabits per second or more and have the exact same shape of port as today's USB-C. They don't have to redesign. They don't have to go USB-D. They, they could have the same port shape and handle 10 times, 20 times faster speeds than what we're currently putting in phones. So that's why I have a very difficult time with people saying like, well, what if something better than USB-C comes along? And I'm like, for a phone, there won't be. No, sorry. Not for many, many decades. In which case... If something comes along that's better, I don't know. Even if something came along that's better, I feel like there's an easy way to make it backwards compatible with Type-C. 100 watt hours is the maximum you can le legally carry on a plane like in the 16-inch MacBook Pro that charges on USB-C. Right, exactly. We're obviously going to get one kilowatt hour batteries in our phones by the iPhone 18. Yeah, it's like we've already seen as years have gone by, but there's kind of a limit we all hit. We kind of all run into this 4,000, 5,000, 6,000 milliamp hours for phones and at that point we're like okay that's about as big as you can get so charging a 5000 milliamp hour battery at 100 watts is plenty probably dangerous and won't be done for the sake of the battery health anyway um and the fact that type c can handle way more than that should say that yeah we we're not going to run out of overhead with type c <laughs> i know usb d sounds funny but that's literally where the term type c came from there was usb a and then there was usb b this is type c it was like the third iteration where they finally got it right usb a and b were so terribly designed but usb c it's like okay we finally got something that can do everything but we can't get everybody on board with it even apple who worked on the design of type c can't get on board with it which drives me nuts kills me i could use USB-C to Lightning to turn Androids and Nintendo Switches into USB chargers for iPhones. I don't think it works that way, but okay, go for it. Even if the iPhone 15 had USB-C, I will continue to use the MagSafe since I've been enjoying that. Yeah, me too. I pretty much only charge my phone inductively, but I still think if you're going to have a port, it should be Type-C. That's the best port. So if you're going to have one, choose the best one. Um, I wish the EU would have mandated USB-C for laptops too. They did. If you read the law, that goes into effect in 2026, I think. They require all um, all laptops that are taking... Is that what it said? I didn't see that part. But Katrina says that all laptops that are going under 100 watts are required to have Type-C. 
But even the laptops that don't have a charging over, uh, what's it called? A hundred watts that they probably have type C already. Like Apple uses MagSafe three to charge at 140 watts, but they, there's still three Thunderbolt ports on it. Um, People are more upset about the precedent of forcing Apple to adopt a better port standard than Apple keeping an outdated port. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're, they're more upset uh, at why it's being enforced, but I think they should... Be, I'm more upset at Apple than I am the EU. I mean, people keep saying, what if in the future they force Apple to do that? It's like, that. okay, but that's... They're doing this not because the EU thinks it would be nice. They're trying to prevent e-waste. They're trying to make a standard so that we don't have to fuss around with who has the iPhone charger, who has the Type-C charger. Standardizing ports is something that government just do, you know, like governments mandated standards for like electrical outlets in their own countries. We didn't want a bunch of different outlet designs. So when you buy a lamp, you don't have to worry about can it plug into my outlet at home? You know, there's a standard that the government instigated there's there's rules on brake lights and car designs and wheels and you know roads and it, there's there's certain things that governments are supposed to standardize it's not just a personal preference thing and this is one thing that i'm like yeah i'm kind of okay if the government wants to standardize that it, it'd be one thing if the government was like we want all iphones to be 5.8 inches it's like why it's like because we think that would be nice it's like what that that's like a design choice it, it, type c is more of like a streamlining the public on on getting on board with one thing like in the eu they were smart enough to standardize the charge port for electric vehicles so all evs in europe have the same port you can go to a supercharger you can go to a non-supercharger and have one plug everywhere you go and you're good and all the evs agreed okay ccs2 that's the design they chose i don't think it's the best connector but hey at least they chose one and they stuck with it um we didn't do that because the U.S. government was stupid and didn't think to standardize electric vehicle charging ports. So now we have this big problem with Chatamo, J1772, and CCS1, and the Tesla connector. And it's this big mess because the government didn't step in of connectors. So now there's certain chargers that you can charge at, other chargers that you can't charge at. Um, it creates a lot of annoyances that sometimes you need a, a bigger entity to kind of step in and say, no, here's how it's going to be because the companies can't come to an agreement. Um, Apple will always want to have some sort of proprietary connector. I think that's fair. Why they got rid of it, they got rid of it on the iPads. They ditched lightning across the iPads. They could have come up with their own proprietary port for the MacBooks, but they chose Type-C. They pushed a lot of people to Type-C. Um, USB-C port doesn't have to be data, though. A lot of laptops have non-data USB-C, and I hate it. It's true, but at least it's there. You're not Your laptop's not going to be dying because... You don't have the right port for it. You, you can use whatever USB-C cables around. Um, complaint of Type-C when you pick one up that's unlabeled. You have no clue if it's power level. I love my Pixel, but apps are better on iOS. Accessories are better. No bloatware, better retail support. Um, yeah, I agree with that. Thank you for the Super Chat, Marine. But they are changing that. I, th I think they had rolled out a new thing where new USB-C cables are showing their capability. But um, the difference before we had that was the port just didn't fit. Now that all the ports fit, people are complaining that not every cable does everything, but at least the port fits. So, okay, even if the cable doesn't do um, high data transfer, at least it will power the device. So, yeah, it doesn't fix everything at the same time. It doesn't unify all cables, but it's the closest way we can get to that point. You can't get all cables on the same page at the same time. 
but we're starting with the port. Um, and getting all the shapes on the same page means that you can at least do some minor data transfer, some power transfer, instead of nothing, which is what we have now. If you have a USB-C cable and an iPhone, nothing you can do. It's not going to plug in. If you have a USB-C cable and an iPhone, okay, it's not going to transfer files, but at least it charged the phone. At least it did something. I would prefer something opposed to nothing, which is what we had previously. Um, Amber Blinkers and some of the rest of the world has standardized, but North America still allows red. Yeah, there's a lot of standardizations we don't have. Um, when do you think, when and if an iPhone subscription service will launch? I'm kind of surprised it hasn't launched already, to be honest, but... German still thinks they'll launch it before the end of the year, I believe. So, hopefully, uh, I mean, hopefully never. I don't really want an iPhone subscription to exist, to be honest with you. We've been live streaming for so long, by the way. This is fun. I just had some uh, spare time today, and I felt like I hadn't streamed for a while. But I wanted to really dive into the Siri thing, and that was fun. I, I, I know I can't talk about Siri for what? Two and a, oh my god. Two and a half hours. We can't talk about Siri for that long, but the, the times we got to spend on Siri were fun for me. But now we're just kind of chilling, and um, I could eat lunch. But you know what? I don't, I don't, I don't mind. I'm having fun. Um, I vote Apple should do an 18, an eight, 18 and include two USB-C ports and an SD card to read it. <laughs> on the phone? Oh, my God. I hate when there are type C to A cables, like it kind of defeats the bilateral aspect. I know that kills me too. I tried to get rid of all those. I don't think I have any left, but yeah, like it would be so great if everybody got on board, but not everybody's getting on board, but Apple is part of the problem with that, unfortunately. And I wish, especially since they pushed for type C so hard that they would push harder. It just feels like there's conflicting opinions apple's like this port's the future this port's gonna do everything and then they switch to magsafe 3 and the iphone still uses lightning all these years later Ugh. streaming it streamlining it to be more common yeah that's why i'm kind of okay with the government stepping in is it kind of skips the process of trying to convince all these companies to get on board with it I wish you could remove certain apps off of the Mac, like Fontbook, Chess, and Stickies. They've been a lot more lenient about iPhone apps, so hopefully Mac is next. Can you not delete Chess? I'm going to find it right now. 7.3 megabytes. Nothing happens. Quick actions. I never thought about that. I never tried. Yeah, that's 7.3 megabytes. It's taken up so much space on my computer. No, I get it. It's not... It's not about the space. It's just about the, the mental capacity that every time you open applications, chess is just sitting there waiting. You can't delete podcasts. That is weird. I didn't think about that. It's just so easy to hide them, in my view. Like, I'm not constantly checking the applications tab and finder. To me, like, the most common applications I use are going to all be in my dock. So I just don't, I don't try to delete applications from there. But, yeah, I didn't think about that. Um, let's see. I charge my iPad from an AC cable that plugs into my wall socket. Oh, that's cool. Um, I'm so excited for USB-C on iPhone. Finally, one charger for everything. Hopefully. We'll see if Apple actually follows through. But yeah, me too. I don't plan on upgrading for that feature alone, but I do still think it would be a big deal. Excuse me. Uh, 256 gig Pro or 128 Pro Max, which isn't better in general or same. Well, it's all... 
There's no better. There's just what fits your lifestyle better. Do you take a lot of ProRes videos? If you do, probably take the bigger storage. Do you not take a lot of videos, but you want a better battery life? Then get the Pro Max. Do you like big phones? Do you like small phones? It's all personal preference. There's no right or wrong. How likely do you think the next iPhone will have USB-C? Um, I feel like now with the law in place, the likelihood is increased, but I wouldn't say guarantee. I want to say like 60%. Maybe that's generous. There's still a, ch I mean, for one, the law does not go into effect until the end of 2024. So if Apple wanted to push it off till the iPhone 16, they technically could, and they would not be banned. They would not be banned. And even with that, there's still, I don't think this would happen because I think it would be too different and too bizarre, but they technically could launch a USB-C iPhone in the European Union and then keep a lightning iPhone in the US or do a portless iPhone in the US. They could do that. I don't think it would make a lot of sense because it would just be complicated during the announcement and it would make them seem like they don't want the iPhone to have USB-C if they said that we're only doing it in countries that mandate it. And I think that would make them come across as like they lost. Whereas I feel like switching to Type-C across everything, it will make it feel like they weren't forced to, they just chose to. And I think Apple would rather say we chose to switch to Type-C because we figured out a way to make it do all these better things. You know, Lightning was so slow and we used it for 10 years, but now Type-C lets us have faster charging, faster data transfer speeds, and it can enable all these great things that Portless couldn't do. Um, so I feel like marketing-wise and product announcement-wise, it would make a lot more sense for Apple to just switch to Type-C next year, but there's still a chance they won't if they're really angry about it and really don't want to do it. So that's why I guess I would lean towards the like higher than 50%, but I won't, I won't say it's like 90% certain um, that it'll happen next year. The year after, much more likely, because at least in the EU, because it sounds like that'll be a requirement. Um, and they'd be in big trouble if they tried to go portless in the EU. That would just tick off the whole European Union with, oh, you don't want e-waste? We're going to make everything e-waste now. That would just be rude. Um, does iPhone 13 Pro also get improved cinematography mode with iOS 16 or just the latest pros? Why so? I don't know what you mean by cinematography mode. Do you mean cinematic mode? If by cinematic mode, uh, the answer is, um, I guess Apple claims you need the A16 chip to do 4K cinematic mode. And no, the 13 Pro does not get 4k cinematic mode but honestly i've recorded videos on the 14 pro with 4k cinematic mode and 13 pro 1080p cinematic mode they both look pretty good and with youtube compression being a thing i don't think most people will notice in the first place i'm confused why apple says the 14 plus has the best battery ever but on their own website the 14 pro max says it has more video playback i think it's because the 14 pro max has an ltpo display which means that the refresh rate can dynamically change so that means if you're doing video playback, which is not an accurate battery test, very few people watch 28, 29 hours of movies straight nonstop. Yeah, that's not a thing. But in the video playback test, the reason the, the 14 Pro Max would come out ahead is if you're watching a 24 frames a second movie, then the refresh rate of the LTPO panel would go down to 24 hertz. So it's consuming much less power than the 14 Plus, which doesn't have a dynamic refresh rate, which means that no matter what you're doing on the phone, it's locked at 60 hertz. So in that particular use case, the 14 plus 
does not last as long as the Pro Max, but that's not a use case you'll find yourself in. On the same compare page, the 14 Plus is listed at lasting uh, 100 hours of audio playback, where the 14 Pro Max is listed at 95 hours. So milliamp hour wise, they're both about the same. Um, I think the reason the 14 Pro Max and the compare page will occasionally fall short is because they're probably testing it with the always on display on. So if the always on display is on, that's naturally going to consume more power than the 14 plus, which doesn't have an always on display. I haven't seen the side-by-side -side battery tests yet. I don't know if anyone's done one. I, I'm not honestly that interested in the 14 plus, but my guess is that if you turn off the always on display on the 14 pro max, I think it will perform almost exactly the same, if not a little bit better than the 14 plus. Um, so I don't think the battery life is, is going to be that drastically better on the 14 plus. It might come out like a little bit ahead, but I don't think it'll be like a deal breaker. It, it'll probably come out like 20% or not 20, sorry, like 20 minutes, 30 minutes longer than the 14 pro max. If the always on display is off. If you leave always on display on, which is not that efficient and consumes more power, then yes, the 14 plus will probably come out ahead by two or three hours, but it's not really a fair comparison, right? Because the 14 Pro is doing something that the 14 Plus isn't capable of doing. So, yeah. Um, I went on a trip to Utah for a week and did the Portless Challenge on my 11 Pro Max, and now back in Ohio, I'm confidently saying I'm done with lightning. Well, good for you. Ask your doctor if USB-C is right for you. Um, I think Apple just wanted to make sure lightning did last 10 years. That was a perfect point in your video. I hope that was their logic. It's stupid, it's dumb, but if that was their answer and the whole time they were thinking, yeah, we're going to go to Type-C, but we said we would use Lightning for a decade, so let's use it for a decade and then switch. If that's their logic, it's dumb, but I'm happy with it because it means that USB-C is here to stay and it's coming. But if their logic is, no, made for iPhone program, and no, USB-C isn't durable enough when Lightning has all these issues, ugh, no, I, I'm like... You can make a water-resistant USB-C phone. Don't act like the iPhone is super water-resistant just because of lightning, and that's the only reason. Um, I hope that's it. Tenth, tenth year anniversary of lightning was this year. Would have been perfect with the 14 Pro. Well, they said when they introduced it on the iPhone 5 that this would be the connector for the next 10 years. So if they switched to USB-C this year, it would have been 9. So the fact that we still have lightning on the 14s means that was 10 years of lightning. In my view, that means, okay, lightning served its purpose. Let's go to Type-C now. Um, I contemplated getting an iPhone from a different country for SIM, but decided against it. But for USB-C, I would seriously consider it. I bet a lot of people would, to be honest. It'd be kind of cool. It'd be like, I bought an iPhone out of the country. Would it work? Can you do that? Will the eSIM stuff still work, or do they design it fundamentally differently? Any idea what Apple gets out of this other than publicity and curiosity out of people who would lead to show views? Yeah, I don't know why they did that. I think if FIFA 23 just thought Ted Lasso was popular, and they were right. They would get a lot of attention. Here you are talking about it. Um, if we put Ted Lasso in our video game, it would probably show up in the news. And it did. They called. They called it. They got it right. They get some extra. We're talking about FIFA 23. If they wouldn't have put Ted Lasso in it, we probably wouldn't have been talking about it. Do you think iPhones will be around for the next 15, 20 years? More so. I, I think smartphones are that rare of a 
thing like that that kind of innovation that just changes the world that kind of new product category i don't think anything will replace the smartphone for like maybe 50 60 years i don't think glasses can replace what phones do even the best augmented reality glasses in the world wouldn't replace the smartphone and i don't think implant like Neuralink computer chip implants would be as accessible or as marketable or as useful as a smartphone is. There's just so much a smartphone is so easy to market itself as. I, I do think maybe in the long run, the closest thing to a smartphone replacement would probably be a Neuralink implant, but for the next 20, 30 years, Neuralink implants are just going to be for solving brain diseases. It's not going to be for consumer usage and it's always just going to be way harder to convince people to get surgery than it will be to buy a phone that you just take out of a box and start using. That's far more digestible. That's far easier to mass produce, widespread, make affordable than a chip that goes into your brain. That's always going to be far more complicated. Do you think Dynamic Island is coming to iPad Pro? No, I don't think it would make sense on a device that you use in multiple orientations like that. iPhones are almost always used in the same orientation iPad, it would look so weird if you were in portrait or landscape, depending on where they put the island. It might make sense on a Mac, because a Mac is always used in the same orientation, but nah, probably not. Uh, the iPhone out of another country wouldn't have as good as band selection because it is optimized for different carriers. But would it work at all, is the question. With the incremental upgrades, it would be odd to not have USB-C. It's become a selling feature now. I feel like it's what everyone's talking about. I feel like this is what is like the big headlining feature. Every time we talk about iPhone 15, we talk about USB-C. So if they don't do Type-C, yeah, it, it definitely, I don't know. Maybe they have some other cool feature up their sleeve. Dynamic Island was a surprise to me, but I don't know how they can top that in terms of surprises. The display is brighter. Uh, camera better this year again. I, I don't know. Uh, let's see. Smartphones were in sci-fi movies long before they existed in real life. What replacements are in movies today? Not many. I mean, I don't think we should just base it on what movies think will be the future, but, um, there was a lot of old movies that didn't predict smartphones would be that big a deal. Um, definitely everyone thought flying cars would be a much bigger deal than they were. Uh, people thought, I'm thinking of Back to the Future 2, where they go to 2015, and they, everyone was faxing each other, and they had TVs playing four things at the same time, which is like, yeah, that exists, but you don't really do that. I mean, you kind of do it. You play something on TV, and then you go on your phone. But, yeah, I mean, smartphones weren't that close to what actually ended up happening. Um, it won't work with millimeter wave. Yeah, I've never used millimeter wave in my life. <laughs> the phone from another country works. Well, that's good to know. Uh... Yeah, I think some people are convinced. I've talked to a lot of people that are convinced augmented reality glasses would replace phones, but I, I, I disagree. Because of what we mostly use our phones for. For one, augmented reality glasses could not replace FaceTime calls. They could not replace the camera, which is, you know, that's when companies unveil smartphones, half of what they talk about is the camera. You're not going to be able to take as good of pictures if you have to take the glasses off or try to line up your eyesight the right way 
for one, their glasses, they're never going to be as good as a, uh, as a dedicated smartphone lens like this. So the camera quality won't be as good. The battery life of glasses will always be worse than phones because they're smaller, they're lighter, and they have to fit on your face. And because we put cases on our phones and they go in our pockets, we can protect them a lot more. Glasses, I think the biggest issue Apple's going to face with AR glasses is because glasses, in order to be comfortable, have to be lightweight and fashionable but also because they're lightweight they're prone to falling off it's very common for people with sunglasses or even prescription glasses that they 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 fall off and they people step on them or they pick them up and they need to be durable it's just a really tricky equation to get right and i think smartphones will just objectively always be more durable than glasses are especially smart glasses that have electronics and lithium batteries inside them um yeah, I know. You can run four YouTube streams. You can run 15 if you want. It's just you don't do that. In Back to the Future, they were making it out to be like a common thing. Like people just come home and put four TV channels on the TV and watch four screens at once. And it's like, yeah, I mean, you could, but not, you don't really do that. Um, also, uh, t texting. A lot of people like to type and not talk. A lot of people like to just text with their thumbs and have something to interact with when they're at a coffee shop they do this you know typing and it the, the reason the bluetooth earpiece did not catch on is because it was socially awkward the, the people in tv shows were looked at as you know jerks and rude because they had bluetooth earpieces on you know people that were just talking they're like oh yeah yeah i could do that and they're just on the phone but you don't know they're on the phone because it's hands-free it's like yeah that tech is cool and convenient but it's not socially acceptable and i don't think people with AR glasses typing on nothing, you know, like if you just projected the keyboard on your hands and you were just typing to nothing, you would look weird. You would look bizarre in public. And I don't, I don't think people would find that as socially acceptable. And also just like showing people things on your phone is really common. It's very, very popular for, you see it with kids in schools or you see it in public and people find that I, I look at this picture i took and they they hold the phone to you oh let me see that oh that's cool yeah nice or i found this funny meme look at that oh yeah that's funny with the glasses you're you're not going to be able to like easily quickly show someone that most of the time when i bring that up people say well they will also have glasses and you'll just have to like airdrop the picture to them so they can see it or you'll have to you know grab it in your augmented photo library the photo you took with your glasses i don't know like the camera positioning with your head is going to be way harder than just doing this and seeing you want to frame it the right way you want to angle it the right way you can this has a lot your arms pivoting where the iphone camera is is a lot easier than just moving your head around um i th i think there's a market for it i think there's a purpose to having augmented reality glasses like there's there's they sh i'm not saying they shouldn't exist i'm just saying there's there's not gonna they're not gonna replace phones they they will complement phones just like the smartwatch does the smartwatch didn't replace the phone but it added to the experience made it easier ar glasses will improve visuals allow holograms and all kinds of things but i don't think they'll kill the need for a phone um i would buy glasses just for more monitors and removing the notches on phones and macs yeah i could even imagine a world where with the glasses there's you don't need a display on your phone anymore the glasses projects the display onto the phone so it feels like it you could have zero bezel um and picture in picture could go anywhere right like you want to leave youtube but you want to keep watching the video you swipe up and boom 
the video is now playing next to your phone or it plays on the wall. There's all kinds of potential with the glasses. I still think that would be a big deal, but I don't. I just don't think it would kill smartphone ownership. Um, can't you dual stream on Twitch? You can, but it's kind of complicated. You have to use a third-party service, and then there's more latency, and um, it confuses the chat because I'm usually answering questions from one platform, and not everyone's there. Twitch also discourages dual streaming, typically, but... Um, I've done it in the past. It's just buggy. It just doesn't work all that well. Um, augmented reality glasses will augment the smartphone, not replace. Yes, but I still think there will be a brick that, that does things. Ultimately, I don't think the glasses will ever get battery life as good as the phone will. Um, they wouldn't last as long, and they wouldn't be as durable. And they would cost more, for the record. I think it will always be cheaper to build a brick style computer than to build a lightweight small compact like transparent lenses that you wear that's always going to be more expensive technology even with volume economies of scale and ramping up production as you ramp up production of the glasses production of these things are going to get even cheaper you'll be able to buy a, a decent smartphone like you can today for like 300 400 bucks you can get a really capable phone Glasses, I still think, are going to be like $1,000 plus. I thought Twitch unpartners anyone who streamed anywhere else. Did they just not catch on to you? I think I did it before I was partnered. Or I think I remember them saying, you can't dual stream if you do gaming. But if you don't do gaming, it's okay to dual stream or something like that. Um, good thing we didn't turn out like Idiocracy, where you have a huge screen full of ads and in the middle of a small screen showing some guy get hit in the <laughs> Well, we might get there. I'm kind of paranoid with how many ads there are these days. Like, are they going to get to the point where they track your eyes? Where, like, if you're looking away from the ad, they pause it. And they make sure that the volume is on. They prevent you from muting the ad. You know, like, I'm scared they might get to that point. But hopefully they don't. This is not my longest stream, Ben, because when, when it's Apple event season, I usually stream, like, seven hours. But... For just a casual, like, I feel like going live stream. Yeah, this is a pretty long one. You can now stream on other platforms as a partner. Yeah, I think I did read that. Um, there's some restrictions on the VOD playback with Twitch if you dual stream. I don't remember exactly what it was, but uh, all I know is I, I spent three years on Twitch, and I enjoyed it, and I still think it's a better platform, but uh, I, I'm fine just staying on YouTube. It's okay. Um, oh, when people move from Twitch to YouTube, they get unpartnered? Well, I never really left YouTube. I was on YouTube the whole time, but Linus does his weekly podcast on Twitch, YouTube, and Floatplane. That's good for him. He can do what he wants. But the the bugs of the restream software I was using was not worth it to me, so I'm fine just keeping it simple. It's working. The, the way I'm doing it now, I'm happy with. It's fine. There's still some things I wish YouTube would change, but yeah um it works but man it, we've gone live for almost a full three hours that's amazing <laughs> i'm getting a little hungry so i should probably get some lunch um yeah that's true linus doesn't read the chat anyway but uh i appreciate you guys for staying with me this whole time it was fun to talk about siri talk about type c talk about all these stuff uh, all the pixels and everything um i always enjoy these but i probably should get something to eat 
and uh, we've got some more videos to work on as well. So stay tuned for those podcasts coming in the next couple days. Um, so I appreciate all of your guys' support and uh, tuning in today. And I hope you all have an excellent rest of your Thursday or Friday where you are. Take care, all. Bye-bye.